0: Talks on psychoanalysis shares topics published in the IPA society journals and Congress debates worldwide, brought to you in the voices of the original authors. We hope this window will allow you to experience the depth and breadth of psychoanalytic thought around the world. This podcast has been created by Gaetano Pellegrini and edited by Gaetano Pellegrini and Andy Cohen. Introduction read by Andy Cohen. Denis Ribas is a psychiatrist, child psychiatrist, and psychoanalyst. For eight years, he directed the Revue Francaise du Psychoanalyse and was the president of the Paris Psychoanalytical Society for four years. He has many years' experience as a psychoanalyst in a day hospital for young children, some of whom were autistic. His interest in the death drive comes to him both from his experience of the psychic conflictuality and from his deepened understanding of autism-specific problems, in line with the contributions of Tustin and Meltzer, he has also worked with Beno Rosenberg, conceiving drive fusion and diffusion in their movements in neurosis, in borderline states, as well as in psychosomatic states, where the somatopsychic balance is disturbed.
1: Death Drive and Destructiveness, Denis Ribas. Under years, after Beyond the Pleasure Principle, I revisit my article. The second Freudian model is precious and heuristic to think about the psychic conflictuality when considering psychic conflicts, particularly when the psyche is overwhelmed, including traumas, autism, and psychosomatics. Some of the most disturbing aspects then proved to be useful, such as the asymmetry of the two drives of life and death, or the interrogation in front of the death drive without energy. Starting from Sabina Spielrein's intuition of destruction as a cause of becoming, I quote, where she anticipated the drives' fusion and certain recent biological consideration, by thinking of destruction in the service of life and thus fusion. It took Freud's ability to think of rise, diffusion for this model to reach an additional degree of freedom, taking into account the viability of the favorable. Or unfavorable outcome of individual situation. Jean-Claude Amazon, in his contribution to the Revue Française de Psychosomatique, La Mort au cœur du Vivant, in two thousand and seven, writes: When I read beyond the pleasure principle, I never cease to be amazed and filled with wonder. It tells of the difficulty biologists have in thinking about internal destructiveness. I quote, a long predominant idea in biology has been that the disappearance of all cells, like our own disappearance as individuals, can only result from environmental aggression, accident, destruction, famine, on Intrinsic inability to resist the passage of time, aging, and decay. But the reality is quite different. I quote, Today we know that all our cells possess, at any moment, the capacity to trigger their self-destruction, their premature death, before nothing from the outside destroys them. It is from their gen that all cells produce the molecular executors capable of precipitating their end and the protectors capable for a time of neutralizing these executors. In biology, this external trigger of internal self-destruction is what will allow, as his book title names, the sculptor of the living, some cells must die for the finger of the embryo to take shape. This model interests us for the human difficulty of surviving a condemnation as much by its super as by its objects if they take away their love from it. Could the safest way to destroy others be to stop providing them with what represses their inner executor. If we give to the super-ego its role of executor, in our language, would disinvestment ruthlessly abandon the other to his super-ego? And our super-ego no longer loves us, we can only kill ourselves, Francis Pache used to say. The role of the protector will then return to narcissism and the internal object. Let us remember that inhibition, symptom, and anxiety, generalized to all neuroses, is the hysterical danger of the loss of love. We also find the disobjectalizing function of the death drive, defined by André Green. I once suggested in 1989 that one could find the energy in physical time available to the death drive. If the life drive finds its energy in the body, which demands its psychic work, and thus relies on the biological program, the psychic and the biological are perverted, by physical time, which also reigns over the inanimate. Entropy delights the cerebral mediators, excitement falls back, time used the lost object relationship in the service of mourning, melancholy fades after six months of torture. The diffusive death drive Manifests itself thus to me in the disinvestment of others and especially of oneself. Witness the patient who no longer struggles, the autistic who dismantles himself, and of whom Melzer tells us that this passive splitting takes place without anxiety, or Pierre Olagniez murder of representation namely the disinvestment of the object representation, when its perception is lost. It brings mortal calm instead of the investment of the representation, the pain of absence and thus the access to hallucinatory satisfaction possible at this price. Why is a drive to be used to describe this movement toward the inanimates? As a counterpoint to the work requirement, linked, the link with the body for the life drive, I see in it the psychic representation of this infinite force of physical inertia. The one who defends himself seems to me less to stage the fantasy of giving birth as Freud may have evoked, than to entrust his destruction to an irremediable external physical force, such as the one who hangs himself. I willingly give the head the capacity to take credit for the power of this mortal inertia. Trifusion fusion occurs when excitement becomes an impulse waiting for the satisfaction of an invested object. It is then a project, a hope, a desire, that can develop in a temporality that Andre Green stressed as being neither psychically homogeneous nor given from the outset, but which must then be articulated with external time in order to be realized. Benno Rosenberg described the diffused love drive, which is talked about infinitely less often than the dread drive, in the case of diffusions, as a catexis in all or nothing, and everything, immediately. I have compared it to the adhesiveness described by Melzer which can account for college and not only in autism. Drive fusion temporizes in a strong sense. It inscribes in temporality. The analyst who has chosen the time of the clock as the frame of his session know it well, limiting the unconscious omnipotence of the patient by a ritualist disinvestment and introducing to the third the third of his private life or the following patient. It is an analytical version of the censorship of the woman's mother becoming a woman again, as described by Michel Fin. Finally, in psychosomatics, it seemed to me to be much more relevant to consider Pierre Marty's description of a disorganisation under the effect of inertia and his affirmation of individual movement of life and death, title of his book, as a diffused dualism, rather that the de facto monicism often credited to him. Diffused dualism describe, quite rightly, the outcome outside the psyche of the psychosomatics disorganization, accompanying somatization during the failure of mentalization. Then, entropy and inertia win. Violence and destructiveness continue to question our clinical practice and its elaboration. The analysts then rely on an internal theory or contradictory theories so that an intelligibility remains which implicitly takes side as to its origin. Why evil? asked André Green. In 1988. Beliefs that help the analyst in his first duty to survive, in Winnicott's sense. But with what internal economy? I think that it always calls for a well tempered masochism. There is a general agreement to consider that psychic conflicts are below the sexual. And since violence is a destructiveness that targets the object, or at least the environment, one might think that the metapsychological questions, criticized as metaphysical, on internal destructiveness no longer oppose those who think with Freud of aggression as a death drive derived to the outside by the musculature, entangled to sexual into sadism, and, on the other hand, Jean Laplanche's formulation of sexual death drive, or Paul Denis's possibility of absolute control without satisfaction, which Claude Ballier confirmed in his understanding of sexual criminal. The narcissistic and vital identity issues are then called into play, as in Bella Grunberg's case, or the fundamental violence for Jean Bergeret. Of course, this is nothing of the sort. The disagreements are all the more violent because of the passion aroused by the originary but also because the paths to survival are not the same according to the compass. For Melanie Klein, the frustration in the first relationship reflects the intensity of the subject's destructiveness. Don't we have within us a neurotica of destruction involving then more or less secretly the real primary object? Violence can be suffered and can even leave major traces such as the greatest trauma, attacks, sexual abuse or the deportation that accompanied the Shoah. Rachel Rosenblum questioned in her recent book Mourir d'Ecrire, Dying from Writing, the consequences of treatment by speech can one die from telling? But violence can also be inflicted. Freud wrote in 1915: hatred read as a relationship to the object is older than love. It is rooted in an original challenge to the stimulus providing outside world a challenge from the narcissistic self. The question of destructive narcissism is raised from the outset. On the other hand, it calls into question the primacy of sadism and masochism in 1920 and especially 1924. It is the original masochism that becomes first, and it is the derivation outside of the death drive, fused by the libido, through the intermediary of the musculature that creates sadism. It is then appropriate to call it the drive of destruction, the drive to take hold, to will, to power. A part of this impulse is directly placed at the service of the sexual function where it has an important function to fulfill, this is sadism in the true sense of the word. The incest of a destructive and all-powerful father, as shown in the film Festen, is indeed on the side of narcissism and the most complete destructiveness. And it is Indeed, in these terms, that Bella Grunberger, who rejects the death drive, will do so in a remarkable article, La Relation Objectale Anale. He quotes the Auschwitz-Goyleiter, defining it as the anus of the world. Working with incarcerated criminals were usually better splitted Claude Ballier highlights the moments of failure and confrontation with the real terrifying goddess, the archaic maternal imago of psychosis, in place of the internal object and a superego that somehow articulates the maternal and paternal imagos, and thus integrates the primal sense. But the terms it choose remind me of those I quoted from Benno Rosenberg on the diffused life drive all or nothing and it is not surprising if we consider these criminal acts as a moment of brutal diffusion that the psyche is flabbergasted out of the time and out of the possibility of recollection, but also that Death is some monad into reality. I'm not the only one to understand in the structural model the contribution true in the topological model. Andre Green preceded me highlighting the contribution of Winnicott, who rightly claimed in the first drive's definition that the object which is the means to satisfy the sexual drive, does not yet exist in the primary situation he describes. The child lived the experience of being without getting the idea of the union thus achieved. First being. Negativity and returns to the origin are in Winnicott's quoting poets such as Keats and his temptation to be half in love with the death. In Why Evil for Andre Green, it is not enough to specify, as Freud does, the heroes by means of bending, and the drive of destruction by means of unbinding. Let's notice here the confirmation of an asymmetry in the theory of drives in the structural model, which is often misunderstood, whereas it seemed to me epistemologically very useful. It specify in fact, I think it would be more accurate to assume that eros is compatible with interlocking or alternate bending and loosening but that the destructive drives are pure loosening. Thus, to say evil without why is to affirm that it is integral unbinding, and therefore total nonsense, pure force. Such is the meaning of this destruction of meaning which affirms that good is nonsense. I think that the Shore can make one discuss his proposition with, if one dare to say so, a little more optimism in this context, by considering the hypothesis of envy. The devil is a felon angel, and the Nazis not only annihilated men in an operative manner, They also directly attacked love, separating men and women, parents and children, but also, for example, slaughtering a relative from a deportee had just recognized. And views of this love, of course, but even more so attacking the love itself that made this deportee live he died because you loved him. It was your love that killed him. Let's go back to André Green and the article we coached to note that he and Natalie Salzman agree in a warning against purification. With character of deathly diffusion, I have underlined for my part the libidinal component be taken up again in her adhesiveness in a college to the ideal high. Green writes, Everybody does evil, but some people love it. But loving evil, what is it? Is it enjoying the suffering of others? Without a doubt, and this is the most common case. But there is a much more radical, much more impersonal love of evil. To love evil is to love to detect it, to designate it, to locate it, in order to find a way to exterminate it. To think that once evil has been defeated and annihilated, happiness that the sovereign good will reign unchallenged. From then on, guilt disappears, since the most destructive tasks are purifying actions. Natalie Salzman, in L'esprit du mal, two thousand and seven, similarly demonstrates that the progress of civilization achieved by recognising crimes against humanity. Is paid for by the exceptional status then given to criminals who are no longer protected by space prescriptions or law limiting extradition. The latter is, in a way, cut off from humanity for committing inhuman acts. She notes that civilization is once again innocent of crime and inhumanity. The author acknowledges that the legal work here is a genuine work of culture, which advances and prolongs the stage of the universal declaration of human rights, but also argues that it implies the hellism of evil. Finally, I consider the violence induced by self-destruction. When I think over the clinical practice about the counter-transferential work specific in the treatment of a patient whose relative committed suicide, leaving him in charge of a psychic work, of demise, like say Michel de Musan or mourning itself, as say Christian David, which drives destiny and the depression of the disappeared at left in suspense. We find again the difficulty of making sense of it. It seems to me that in these cases, as the patient progresses and his own aggressiveness emerges, counter-transferentially, the analyst gradually resents the suicide more and more. We may wonder about a transfer by reversal in which the patient makes the violence he himself has experienced. This also leads me to think that self destruction, in the absence of the power to project into aggression, can somehow be exported in the form of an induced diffusion within the other. The irreversibility of successful suicide seals the loss of hope and brutally disobjectify those who loved the infortunate one who could not contain his or her self-destruction. It also deprived them of the protective intrinsic investment because it inhibits self-destruction that the object provides. It seems to me that there are also perverse narcissistic examples of this, and that some Machiavellians, I mean li- living Machiavellians, will know how to blame their failure on others who atone for them. The totalitarian regime excels at getting in the Kafkaesque trial that the accused, preferring to find a scapegoat for the failure of the system, take responsibility for the inducers that we kill him, and then pleads guilty. In his sacrifice, rather than a masochistic recourse, Clearly deadly in this case, I see more accompanying the diffusion, an adherence to an ideal high, thus preserved, at the price of his life and truth.